Father, we need you. Every hour of every day, we need you. As I look around this congregation and see the faces, it's real obvious, Father, of those that depend on you every hour, that seek you, that need you, that want you there to comfort, to encourage, to take pain away, physical, spiritual, emotional pain. Thank you for being real, Father. Thank you for being our God. Thank you for Jesus Christ and the work that you sent him to do for us. And we thank you for faithful men who have gone before to teach the word, to keep it true, to be strong, to stand firm. Fathers, we look into your word today. We pray that our hearts would be focused on you. That we would confess sin so that our relationship with you might be right. That we might have that righteousness of you, but we can't have that when there's unconfessed sin in our life. And so, Father, we pray that each heart here would get right with you right now. That as we focus on your word, specifically in the book of Acts, and see your work going on there, Father, may it wake us up. May it want us to be a part of that work through the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Open God's words with me, if you would, to the book of Acts chapter 9. Tim Reed was here last week and spoke out of Deuteronomy, appreciated his message, but today we're going to be back to Acts. A few weeks ago, let's see, three Sundays ago, we were looking at Philip and and from our VBS story, hopping alongside the Ethiopian on the carriage, explaining the words of Isaiah to him. And and I just love what it says in chapter 8, verse 35. He preached Jesus to him. He preached Jesus to him. And we, last, uh, two weeks ago, we read an illustration out of uh, W.A. Criswell's book on Acts. And he was talking about Dr. Pruitt being in India. And the authorities told him how bad it was going to go after this, after he talked about Jesus on the university campus there. And of course, Dr. Pruitt prayed ahead of time and then he preached Jesus. And there was no grief. One of the, one of the fellows in the audience after a few minutes of quiet got up and, and said, we've got no problem with this man's Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. But he preached Jesus to them. And then we read the, the illustration, the story. Nobody came up to me. I'm disappointed that y'all don't know that cathedral in Europe because I don't either. And, and I'd love to know where it is. 
But that cathedral in Europe that has the statutes of the some of the apostles, it has, uh, let's see, statues of Jacob, Job, Isaiah, John the Baptist, Peter, Paul, and John. And underneath them is a scripture a verse from each one of their, their books. And they're all pointing to Jesus. And that's what we strive to do. That's what we want to do in our study of God's word is to point to Jesus. The whole word of God points to Jesus. We've talked, and and I'll use it again later, and you're going to hear it all through the book of Acts. But it's one thing that the Pharisees didn't understand was that Jesus was the fulfillment of the... Jesus was the fulfillment of the law, and Jesus was the fulfillment of the... And that's two things that the Pharisees couldn't get over. And we'll see how that affected Saul's work. I won't say ministry. Paul's work... Saul's work that he had against the church and against Jesus. Acts 16.31 says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. John 1.12 But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Romans 10.9 If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. That's why we're here. We are here to exalt the name of Jesus and to lift him up and to keep him on the throne. It's not about us, folks. Much as we like to think about it, that it is. Sorry, it's not. It is about Jesus. Two weeks ago, as we began chapter 9 of, of uh, Acts, verses 1 and 2, we saw Saul without the light. And then verses 3 through 9, we saw Saul under the light. And we'll begin today looking in verses 10 through 30, although we won't get all the way uh, through verse 30 today, or 31, but we see Saul walking in the light. At the end of verse, or in verse 9 there, the end of the last section before we get into today's, he was there three days without sight and neither ate or drank. Psalm 46.10 says that we need to be still and know that he is God so that we can worship him for who he is. And the, and the Lord was obviously working on Saul's heart very much in those three days as Saul is sitting in Damascus waiting to find out what God's going to do in his life and do for him. Let's take it up in verse 10. Um, Let's see. I'm going to read 10 through 12 to get us started here. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and Ananias said, Behold, here am I, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. Now, God doesn't do stuff by accident. And if you just look at the names right here, there, there's some characters with these names that we've studied already in Acts and, and earlier in the New Testament that, that 
generally we don't think of as names we necessarily want to name our kid. I'm thinking of Judas. Judas Iscariot. And in, in, in here we have another Judas who has opened his house to Saul. God obviously brought Saul and his group to his to, to Judas's house in Damascus. We have a man, Ananias. And does anybody remember Ananias and his wife Sapphira from chapter five of Acts? They lied to the Holy Spirit and they were struck dead on the spot. Wow. But why Ananias? Look at twenty two chapter twenty two verse twelve. And a certain Ananias, a man who was devout by the standard of the law and well spoken of by all the Jews, lived there. I won't keep reading because then we're going to be stealing the thunder from our story in chapter 9. But this man was devout and was well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there. He had a good reputation. He had a reputation for being a Jesus follower. That's why God chose that Ananias. And there, there's, a, there's a reason too, I believe, that that... We, we know that Peter and John went from Jerusalem up to Samaria when Philip was preaching up there. But, but we, I, don't, I don't think God wanted that to be the pattern. It, 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 the, the, the responsibility in the, in the preaching of the word wasn't just going to rest with the apostles or a certain few. That, that as believers came to know the Lord, that, that God was going to use them. Um, Look uh, real quick with me in, uh, let's see, Romans, I believe, chapter 12. Nope, I don't even give you the right book. I got the right chapter, wrong book. 1 Corinthians 12. There we go, 1 Corinthians 12. First Corinthians 12, start in verse 12. For even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jew or Greek, whether slave or free, and we were all made to drink of one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not part of the body, it is not for this reason any any the less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an ear, I'm not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. And guys, you heard me say this all the time, and I'm going to keep saying it. We need you and you need us. We need you to fulfill your God-given responsibility in the body, to use your spiritual gifts to encourage, to uplift, to help the body grow. I have a, I have a sister who's a pastor's wife in that other state from down southeast that we won't say out loud. But and, and I pray for them all the time because of where they live. But um, love you, Shirley. <laughs> um, 
she's a pastor's wife, and she's the energizer bunny on steroids, okay? She slowed down. She's older than I am. She's slowing down a little bit in her older age, but they've been at that church, I think it's either 20 or 25 years. And as she got there, is, is, uh, maybe somebody would move away or a, a woman would feel like it was time to give up her ministry. My sister would step in. And, and she had the energy to do it all. And, and she, she, she was leading like five or six, seven different ministries. And just, just go, 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 go. Couldn't, never caught herself coming. And finally, I don't know if she was thinking about Psalm 4610 or not, but she finally decided that this was madness. She can't keep this up forever because she was getting older. And the Lord, the Lord worked in her heart and said, you know, Martha, you need to give some of this up. You need to let others fulfill and use their gifts in the body. And so she she peeled them off one at a time, and she got down to one or two that she wanted to, to keep and, and do as her ministry in the church because everybody should be doing something. So she, she kept some to, to keep doing, and some of these other jobs just lay, lay vacant. Nobody was picking them up. She said, Lord, I thought you said some others were going to do the job. Well, come to find out some of the other ladies. And it took six months to a year before other ladies in the church picked up the responsibilities she was doing. She talked to them. She said, why'd you wait so long? So it's been, you know, available for six months. And she, well, we were afraid that you might want to grab it back and do it again. And so she, the Lord had to, had to calm her down a little bit and, and pull her back and say, others in the body need to use their gifts too. But if you're doing it all, they can. So, this is to, we, we've had some new people coming, and you haven't become members yet, and I'm not a big numbers guy, but some of the positions in the church that we need to have filled, our, our constitution and our bylaws state that you have to be a member. Um, we need you to come on board. And, and, and this was something that when we got here three and a half years ago, I would say that about 80% of the church was older than Beth and I. Now, praise the Lord, that's changed. It's changed, and we're, and we're grateful for that. So, But we know that in, from when we got here three and a half years ago, that 10, 15 years from now, the church is going to look very different because a lot of those older people are going to be home with Jesus. And praise the Lord for that. Not like we're trying to kick you out the door, but, but we will be thankful when you are with Him because we have that hope and we know that you will be with Him. And so some of the younger ones that are coming, we got to have you up the slack. we got to have you start feeling those responsibilities and being the arm or the ear or the eye or the kneecap or the toe, okay? We, we need the body to go on. Jesus wants the work here to go on in his name. But in order to do that, we, we all have to do our part. Um, and and we, none, none of us can do all of it. We can't. It's just not humanly possible. And we shouldn't try to do that. But we need others to be involved and to use their God-given gifts. So why Ananias? That was a long way to say, why Ananias? Because God wanted to use more of the body in the ministry. He didn't want to leave it to just a a tight-knit group or a few. 
He wanted the whole church to be involved and to use the gifts that he had given them. The ministry is not for an exclusive few. Something interesting I heard, not this, this past week, but a couple of weeks ago in a, in a message that I was listening to. Saints. The word saints, whenever it's mentioned in the New Testament, 100% of the time, it's plural. That should feed into the idea that we need each other. We need each other in the body. Saints is never saint in the New Testament. It is never singular. It is always plural. We need each other to come alongside to encourage one another. Yeah, there's going to be leaders, but there's also going to be other people with gifts that can feed into that same ministry. And we need to tap in and use your gifts for the ministry of Jesus Christ. Saints is always plural. Verse 11, kind of along with that, that idea of names we were talking about, Ananias and Judas is, is the straight. Go to the street called Straight. Turn with me quickly, if you would, to Psalms. The book of Psalms, start in chapter 5, verse 8. I'm going to, if you want to just write these references down and listen, that's fine too, because hopefully if I can turn the pages in my Bible right, we'll move quickly through this. Um, Psalm 5, 8. O Lord, lead me in your righteousness because of my foes. Make thy way straight before me. Proverbs 9, 5. Come, eat of my food, and drink of the wine I have mixed. Forsake your folly, and proceed in the way of understanding. And the word straight is not there, so I either wrote down 9.15, not 5, 9.15, there we go. Calling to those who pass by who are making their path straight. Um, write these down uh, for those that want to dig deeper this week. Matthew 3.3. 3. And this one will get you. This one will take some digestion. Hebrews 12, 13. But think of that. Um, that is straight. Um, comes to mind is that, that the, the gate is narrow. And straight is the way that leads to, to the truth, that leads to Jesus. And, and wide is the path that leads to destruction. But it's, it's narrow and it's straight is the path that, that leads to Jesus. But uh, verse, uh, let's see, verse 13 and 14, Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he did to the saints at Jerusalem, and here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call upon your name. Somebody read, read it from your translations. Uh, somebody just, just go ahead and read, and I'm sure there's many different, say what translation you have. Read the first four words of verse 13. Anybody? Somebody? Then Ananias answered, Lord. Then Ananias answered, Lord. Okay. Any others? What translation is that, Dick? That's the New King James. New King James? Anybody have anything different than that, Adam? Lord, Ananias answered. I've heard from many people. Okay. ESV. ESV. Mine says, but Ananias answered, Lord. 
And I, and I don't know the Greek and didn't take the time to look it up and tear it apart and all that. But it says, but Ananias answered, Lord, I would say maybe it should read Ananias answered, but Lord, <laughs> but Lord, what? Okay, think, think of the, get this picture in your mind. This is like asking a Jew in Germany to go to the Nazi Gestapo's office. You're a Jew. You go meet with the Gestapo. But Lord, what? Are you kidding me? I've heard about him. We've heard about him. We've been studying him. At the very first verse of chapter 9, saw still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He voted for them to be murdered. Every chance he had. He got, he got letters from the priest to, to go up to Damascus and continue his destruction and havoc up there. And, and it, was a, it was an anger in him. It was a bitterness. It was, a, it was just festering in him. Because he thought what he was doing was right. He thought he was doing it, and he was doing it in the name of the Pharisees. He wasn't doing it in the name of Jesus. He was, he was blind. Saul was blind, and, and Ananias is supposed to go at the Lord's direction to, to deal with him. And, and uh, you know, Lord doesn't condemn Ananias here for, for his question. I, I think God knows in, in his humanity that that was kind of a fair question to ask. But, but, but Lord... Do you, do you know about this guy's reputation? I've heard about this guy. This, this isn't going to end well. Verse 15, But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. He, he is going to suffer. And we know that he, that he will. So Ananias, or excuse me, verse 17, and Ananias departed and entered the house. God says, Ananias, he's going to be a tool of mine to spread the gospel. I want you to go to him. And Ananias didn't argue anymore with the Lord. The Lord said, Ananias, I've got this. I'm going to take care of this. And you're going to go and do what I asked you to do. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. I told you the motions that we had, all right? One of our Bible school songs this week. Now, now I'm not going to do it as good as the kid did because they're trained professionals, so I may stumble through this a little bit. But one of our songs was, Let's Get Started. And I just love the words to it. Let's get started and tell of Jesus. Let's get started. We must begin. To tell the whole world about our Savior, to tell the whole world about our friend, the time is now, okay? And, and we're, we're teaching this to elementary school students and telling them the time is now. We can't wait. The message cannot be late. That Jesus died for our sin and that he rose again. We have to tell the message. We have to go. We have to go and tell it before it's too late, and for those that have died already without the gospel, it's already too late for them. 
But we have a responsibility to our neighbors, to those in our town, to our families. And families can be the toughest crowd. They can be the toughest crowd because they know us too well. But we got to go. We got to go and tell them before it's too late. Now is the time. And, and Jesus said to Ananias, go. Now is the time for you to go. We're not going to stand here and argue anymore. Just go. So Ananias went. He was obedient. And what did Ananias do? He entered the house and after laying his hands on him said, Brother Saul. What? How in the world could he call the Gestapo brother? How could he call him brother? Wow. God's grace is amazing, isn't it? One, that he would change Saul. And two, that he could change Ananias' heart to go and put his arm around the Gestapo and call him brother. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road coming has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes the scale, the, something like scales. And he regained his sight and he arose and was baptized and he took food and was strengthened. Turn with me to chapter 2, verse 38, quickly, in chapter in Acts. There, there's a, uh, not a translation error, but just a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, you, you, I don't know if you remember when we went through here, we had to sort it out. Verse 38 says, And Peter said to them, Repent, let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The, the way it's written, it makes it sound like you have to be baptized in the name of Jesus to be forgiven your sins. And we, when we went through that, we discussed it. It has to do in the Greek, has to do with the present participle or the aorist participle. Okay? The way that verse should read, if it was properly translated, would be, Peter said to them, Repent, let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus on the basis of the forgiveness of your sins. In other words, it wasn't an action that happened in sequence, but the forgiveness of your sins being in the aorist participle happened before the baptism. Turn with me to Acts 22.16. Yeah, 22.16. And this directly talks about Paul. And it says, And now why do you delay? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. Same situation, okay? The... the um, the present participle would be calling, okay, calling on his name, but this is not a present. I got to look at my notes to make sure I say it right. A present participle. This is a aorist participle, so it should say having called. So then when you see you, you arise, be baptized and wash away your sins, having already called on his name. And then we bring that back to chapter 9. Verse 
verses 18, the end of 18 and 19, he arose and was baptized and he took food and was straightened. Just to, 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 what's the word I want again? The words aren't coming today. To, to um, justify or to, to make sense between 22.16 and this verse here was that he believed on the Lord Jesus Christ first. He called on the name of the Lord first, and then he was to be baptized. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales. He regained his sight. He arose and was baptized, and he took food and was strengthened. Never underestimate what God can do with one. The ministry that Ananias had to Saul. But then the ministry that Saul had to the Gentile world in spreading the gospel. We say one, one vote doesn't matter. I can't give you the exact date, but I know Congress voted, I think it was like 1898, something like that. Of whether we should speak English or German as our national language. And it was a dead tie in the Senate, so the vice president, according to the rules, stepped in and cast a vote. One vote is why we speak English today, not German. One vote. Okay? Not not that this is a political plug, but get out and vote Tuesday, folks, and then again in November. (laughs) All right? One vote matters. Don't say my vote doesn't matter, because it does. Okay? One vote counts. And a life that is yielded to Jesus Christ matters. It can count. As we were sharing with the kids in, in VBS this week about Jesus. Oh, I didn't mention that part of it. We, our, our numbers were down this year compared to last year. And, and, and it, it, the first couple days it was almost, honestly kind of a little bit discouraging. We had eight kids the first day and second to seven. The seven, seven on the second day. But then we had 13 kids. And you know what the coolest part about that is? Because for months, I'm not sure how y'all were praying, but I know that I was praying that God would bring the kids to Bible school that needed to be here to hear the gospel. Seven of those 13 kids we've never had contact with before. Seven out of 13, more than half. Not through Good News Club, not through, the, the, and I don't know, some of the families may be back in Iwanas years ago, maybe older siblings or something, but seven of the 13 kids that were here this week, we never had contact. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. We didn't have 200 kids here. We didn't even have 20. We had 19 once last year. And so we were kind of praying for that, but more importantly, was the ones that were here that God wanted to be here to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Seven out of 13 were first-timers. So praise God for that. So much to be thankful for. Edward Kimball. Real famous name. Anybody heard that? Know, know who Edward Kimball was? Anybody? I can't believe you don't know Edward Kimball. He was the guy that led Dwight Moody to Jesus. Another famous name, Norman Harrison. Anybody tell me about the life of Norman Harrison? 
Come on, guys, you're killing me. You don't know Norman Harrison? He was the one that led Theodore Epp to Jesus Christ. And Theodore Epp started the Back to the Bible broadcast. God started with one. We need you in the body to do your job. Your, to use your God-given gifts and talents to minister right here in Newberry so that others can hear the story of Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for the ministry of Ananias. If it hadn't have been for you using him in Saul's circumstances, we'd never heard of the guy. But here was a faithful servant Father, help us to be willing to be used of you in the way that you want to use us, not in the way that we think you ought to use us. Teach us to develop and use the gifts that you have given us. Because even one is important. And those ones come together and become many and become the body of Christ. Father, please use us. We thank you that you sent your son Jesus Christ to die for us. Thank you for your words that you have given us to read, to learn more about you. Thank you, Father. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you come to church here,